Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. Today, we're excited to be joined by Martin Baker, managing partner, and Ken Carrick, partner from Buffkin Baker. Today, Mr. Baker and Mr. Carrick join the show to take a deeper look into the current state of executive recruiting for the higher education sector and how the sector has been impacted by COVID-19. Martin and Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate you having us. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Appreciate you having us as well. Pleasure having both of you on. Let's jump right in. Uh, And I'll I'll throw it to both of you. You guys answer however you're comfortable, but I'll just throw it out there and we'll take it from there. So, Martin and Ken, what is the current state of executive recruiting for higher education institutions and how was it impacted by COVID in 2020? Yeah, so I'll I'll jump in. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate the question. Um, You know, I think generally the current state is is becoming more active. Um, I would I would say it was absolutely impacted by COVID. 19, uh, you know, really starting 12 months ago, basically, and, um, you know, searches that were taking place, uh, many were put on hold. Uh, Searches that were on the horizon, many were not launched when they were expected to be launched. Uh, But I, you know, we have seen significant uh, increased activity, you know, over the past probably two or three months. And uh, you know, institutions that are in need of, of leadership uh, at this time are really starting to move on that. And, you know, in terms of searches that have continued throughout the, 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 the last year during the pandemic, certainly the process has changed as well. Uh, Impact of there in terms of shifting significantly to uh, virtual meetings, virtual search committee meetings, virtual interviews, uh, so much less in-person uh, interaction throughout the entirety of the process, uh, even even to the point of having uh, final visits, uh, not actually on campus, but all conducted virtually as well. One of the things that um, that I would add to that, that is probably broader than just higher education, is I think across all sectors we've seen a, a bit of a reluctance or hesitancy on some on the part of some candidates to relocate. So that sometimes can affect the candidate pools that then affect the process. But again, that's not unique to, to higher education. I think that's just in general, the general landscape, given the COVID situation. Do you think the higher education sector is already recovering? And if no, please explain when you expect recovery to begin. So I'll, I'll jump in to, to start that and then let Martin pick up behind me. Um, I think to a degree it is recovering. As Martin said, we're starting to see a, a little more um, activity, but it's not fully back to where it was maybe 18 months ago. I think just in the last couple of months, we've seen more RFP activity, which is very common in the higher, higher education uh, sector. Um, I think some of the factors that will affect that continued recovery or maybe even an acceleration of that recovery will be, and these aren't in necessarily in any order, the availability of the vaccine, um, the push towards herd immunity, however herd immunity gets defined, and possibly the loosening of restrictions by various states and and entities on travel and um, um, capacity constraints, et cetera. So I think all of those at some some point could factor into that recovery. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I really do think that the the industry is recovering. I think we are in the midst of that recovery. 
I think we are starting to kind of just hit that that top of the hill uh, in terms of the recovery process. And, and it's also been a learning process for universities and colleges navigating uh, recruitment during the past 12 years, 12, 12 months, excuse me, and have learned a great deal to help facilitate some of this recovery as well. Uh, I also think that there is, um, uh, you know, in terms of, of the, the candidates and, and opportunities, I think there is certainly with, with you know, candidates, you know, many of whom are, are through their second vaccine and developing a, a, a more comfortable um, kind of approach to, to looking at searches. And then the universities themselves, you know, we're, we were already before the pandemic approaching pretty significant wave of, of upcoming retirements. Uh, many individuals put that on pause during the pandemic and really wanting to continue to provide leadership to their current institution through this through this pandemic. And now that we are starting to see that that light at the end of the tunnel, individuals are now starting to move forward with their retirement. And I think that will create a significant number of new opportunities, not just at the presidential and chancellor level, but with other uh, administrative uh, administrative appointments as well. So we are we are certainly on the road to recovery. We are not there yet, but uh, very encouraged about what we are seeing. You, you mentioned leadership and presidents and chancellors, and what is the skill set for the ideal university president? And beyond that, has this changed because of COVID and remote learning? So there, great question, Rob. So there there are some. Um, continuations uh, in terms of the the skill sets that were needed before the pandemic, and then certainly some that have been elevated because of the pandemic. And you know, there are a couple of I think important aspects thinking about the role of a president and chancellor. And there has been over the years a a pretty significant shift from internally focused work to much more externally focused work. And uh, you know, presidents and chancellors who can connect with uh, alumni, donors, industry partners, uh, for the publics, uh, and uh, presidents and chancellors that can also develop meaningful relationships with the legislature and elected officials. So the relationship skills continue to be important. The communication skills continue to be hugely important. Um, also, of course, understanding the role of, of institutional leadership and the role of shared governance and uh, continuing to to uh, appreciate that aspect of university uh, governance and leadership, you know, we have the past 12 months with the pandemic and uh, certainly the um, continuing uh, uh, efforts around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and social justice. You know, uh, presidents that also have very much an awareness of the the external uh, current and and recent events and how that also. Uh, impacts the uh, communities on campus and you know uh, uh, presidents that are very much committed uh, to diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, presidents that support individuals from all backgrounds and lived experiences, uh, leaders that understand the, the real challenges with mental health, that's faculty, staff, and students, and providing the, the resources and infrastructure to support their campus communities uh, you know, general well-being, safety and security. So uh, a president that can or chancellor that can absolutely, you know, set high level strategy uh, for an institution, but also appreciating and, and being committed 
some of those, um, you know, more micro details that certainly impact the success of a university or college. And a couple of that I would add, add to those uh, characteristics, as Martin has already mentioned, is a continued emphasis on some level of financial acumen. Uh, as we've all seen through the pandemic, the financial pressures on institutions have been great. And for those institutions and those leaders that have been able to adapt their budget priorities, make sure that they're in line with their strategic priorities and have the understanding of the overall financial picture as it relates to the operation of the institution, I think are, is, is vital. In addition to that, um, and I heard one person say that the world of higher ed has changed more and more rapidly in the last 12 months than they ever thought they could. So I think leaders that understand innovation, creativity, prudent risk-taking, and the ability to, to take information at hand and make good um, strategic decisions, that, that's going to be a prized uh, skill set in a new leader because we're in, we're in a little bit of a different world than we have been. And educational institutions obviously weren't immune. So those, those leaders that had the foresight and were willing to, to step out and adapt and be flexible um, have really done well and, and will continue Rob, to do so. Yeah, and Rob, in terms of re remote learning, um, you know, that has been part of that acceleration. And, you know, institutions that were already um, going down that pathway of online delivery, um, you know, many had the infrastructure, resources, the, the, the faculty to set up to be successful and do that in a pretty quick fashion. Other universities and colleges didn't but had to, had to adapt very quickly and uh, put the, the infrastructure and the resources and the technology uh, that was needed to, to deliver you know, online and continue with that high quality teaching and learning experience for their faculty and students. And so presidents have also um, had to, to realize the resources that are needed to continue with their academic mission in uh, an online or, or you know, hybrid model of delivery. And I think we, we and, and, and certainly our clients, meaning universities and colleges, have learned a great deal uh, in terms of, of uh, the success of online delivery and still being able to deliver a high quality education to their students. If I may just add one more thing, because Martin brings up another really interesting point about the technology. Um, and when we talked about the financial acumen skill, I think investments in technology um, are going to be crucial, but it's going to have to be the right technology. I think sometimes, at least some of the educational institutions I've dealt with, the investments in technology may not have, have kept up with some of their other investments. But now that's even more vital, both from an educational delivery standpoint, but just in, a, in an employee standpoint with the remote, with the remote teaching and faculty not being on campus as much. So, so prudent investments in appropriate technology can really have a, a positive effect on an institution. We're talking with Martin Baker and Ken Carrick here on uh, Talent Talks. They are from Buffkin Baker, and I'm Rob Adams. And uh, gentlemen, let's grab the crystal ball for a moment. What are the biggest obstacles for higher ed recruiting going forward, and what does the future of recruiting for this industry look like? You were kind of hitting on it. Let's see if we can expand on it. Rob, thank you. Good. I think that's a super question, and, and I wish we did have a crystal ball. That would be just fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there are going to be some, some obstacles that, that are newfound obstacles. Um, 
you know, as, as McKinsey describes the war for talent, I think we were approaching a period of time where the war for talent is going to be at a, at a, at a level we've never seen before. Um, as I mentioned earlier, there, there's going to be significant uh, upcoming retirements from academic leadership. Um, I think also just looking um, across the, the board at academic leadership, um, you know, the pandemic has caused significant fatigue. You know, faculty, staff, administrators are tired. And so I think there is going to be, uh, you know, an increased number of openings because of that as well, beyond just retirements where individuals are you know, ready to pump the brakes for a little while and, and, and slow down. And, you know, even individuals who are on a pathway to a presidency, I think we will see some of those individuals pump the brakes and take a step back and, and, and kind of catch their breath, if you will. So I, I think the pool is going to be smaller as well in terms of individuals that have developed the skill sets and attributes and experiences to be a successful president or chancellor. So I think that is going to be uh, certainly an obstacle. Um, I think that also presents opportunities. Um, I, I think we are going to continue to see uh, appetites for non-traditional uh, presidents and chancellors, individuals that have developed skill sets outside of a traditional academic pathway to a presidency. Um, certainly going back to that external uh, aspect of this position, individuals that you know, may have the, the industry experience or government experience and, and have some significant relationships already uh, outside of higher education. And then, you know, continuing to, to have that focus around uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion and social justice and the role that that's going to continue to play uh, in investing in the future of universities and furthering that climate across campus. Um, there's still continuing work to be done in that space and certainly leadership that is very much committed to that continuing work. Um, I think in terms of, of also um, obstacles that we will continue to see uh, funding from the state uh, in terms of the public universities and really needing to have presidents and chancellors that can uh, develop those alternative revenue streams to support the academic missions of the universities would certainly be important as well. And to, um, to reinforce a point that Martin said, he talked a, a good bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and also the willingness of institutions to look at non-traditional candidates. The more um, I think that institutions are willing to look at the non-traditional candidates with the appropriate leadership skill sets, the more diverse and broad the pool of potential candidates becomes, which is a, is a good thing. I think another thing that um, is kind of implicit in what Martin said is when you look at these leadership skills um, that need to be developed, it's really at a number of different levels, not just in the president's or the chancellor's office. And I think one of the ways institutions can help since the talent pool is going to be shrinking and there's going to be more need is to start looking at what they can do to develop leaders internally, whether they end up assuming those leadership spots at the, their current institution or moving somewhere else. But the, the ability to develop talented leaders and help them grow and maybe have an internal succession plan is, is one way to offset some of the obstacles that Martin talked about. I, I, think, <clears throat> I think there have been some lesson, lessons learned the past 12 months that will carry forward. You know, as we think about obstacles and opportunities and challenges, 
in terms of the search process and, and engagement. And, you know, I've <clears throat> we've been talking about some technology and, and virtual interactions. I think that will continue um, uh, throughout, uh, certainly in the, in the near future, um, in terms of engaging candidates and search committees and, and you know, governing boards have found that they can still have meaningful and productive dialogue with candidates through, you know, through the use of technology, where traditionally, you know, we would have what we call the quote unquote airport interviews for the first round, where candidates would fly in and meet with the search committees in person. And with the pandemic, those have all you know, pretty much shifted to online engagement via video. And, you know, we have seen really good success uh, using, uh, taking advantage of technology. I think that'll be something that will continue forward. Um, you know, it's efficient. It certainly cuts down on, on the cost. And, you know, with it, you can still have the, the dialogue and, and have you know, good back and forth via video versus in person. It's an interesting topic. Ken, over to you. Um, one of the things that, that we have tried to do uh, with our clients is really become consultants and advisors around these topics so that we can help search committees or, or boards think through some of these obstacles or challenges or even best practices as it relates to changes that may have been made in the p- pandemic or otherwise. So hopefully with with our exposure to the to the broader universe of this leadership recruiting and our capacity part of the way that we can help and add value is to 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 be consultants and advisors to clients dealing with the challenges of of getting the right leader in the right spot martin any final thoughts from you no rob i i think we've covered um a lot of ground i appreciate your your thoughtful questions and appreciate the opportunity to be with you It's been a great conversation looking into the state of the higher education recruiting sector and how it has been impacted by COVID-19 and remote learning. Let's hope that we've put most of these obstacles behind us and are on our way towards a bright future. We appreciate you both taking the time to join the show alongside Martin Baker and Ken Carrick of Buffkin Baker. I'm Rob Adams, and this has been Talent Talks.